The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Hey, it's Warhorse and Warhorse's pal Boner, and we're here to tell you that you're listening to the uh, Rough House podcast with Marty and Kristoff. You know, Marty the Mangler and Kristoff uh, the uh, Jack. Uh, no, I don't want to say that, but. I'm glad you're here, glad you're ready to listen to this shit, clean out your ears, shut your mouth, open your eyes, cause it's time for that good, sweet podcast. Behold, a podcast for the ages, recorded live from the interdimensional terror vortex of their subterranean dwellings comes the Roughhouse Podcast version 3.0. Two galactic warriors put down their warhammers and battle axes to perform a more noble task. Complaining about professional wrestling on internet purchased microphones. Now with more Simpsons references and Kota Ibushi thirst. This is the Rough House Podcast with Marty and Kristoff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rough House Podcast episode. Where we're like looking at two thirteen, I believe. Sure. Yeah. Hi, I'm Marty, and I'm Christoph, and welcome to everybody. Hope you all uh, are, are sitting back and, and you know planning to enjoy this hour ish. Who knows how long we'll go? Yeah. Uh, episode of us dorks ranting about pro wrestling from our respective basements, about mm-hmm. thirty miles away from each other. Yeah. Uh, I, I will add an amendment. Amend. Amendum. Addendum. Addendum. That's the word. Amendment. Addendum. Yes. I got kind of got them uh, uh, a little bit confused there. Anyway. Um, Amendum. Well, uh, yes. Well, that's what I said. I'm like, yeah, yes. that's not right. Yeah, I like doofus. it. I like it. Uh, I would like to welcome Natalie everybody. Portmanteau. Yeah, well, we'll get to her and divide it. Um, <laughs> mo- welcome to everybody listening, uh, except for The Undertaker. Yes. Who I would like to uh, further oh. uh, address by just saying, fuck off and go away. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, just uh, fuck off and go away, dude. <laughs> I, I don't know if there was anything that gave me a greater... Uh, douche chill in the past week, and and that's that covers a lot of ground. As there yeah. was there was a lot of stuff uh, uh, out out in the the wilds of the internet this week. Uh, but I, I don't know if there was anything that gave me a greater douche chill than when I saw Mark the Undertaker Calloway is on Joe Rogan this week. There is uh, man, th- not a chance in this green earth. Of whomever's creation, <laughs> not in the Big Bang's green earth, yes. would I ever commit it's, what had it's to be a nearly at least three hour podcast. Fuck off. Yeah. First of all, no podcast. And I I gleefully admit that we sometimes get a little long in the tooth. Yes. Um, but you know, we, we've tried to we've tried to curb that and we've you know, we try to try to keep it around uh, you know, sixty to seventy five. That's kind yeah. of the the sweet spot. Even if we're under an hour, I'm fine with that too. Same. There is no reason even my favorite podcasts uh, and like, yeah. you know, I granted most of them are wrestle related. Uh, you know, otherwise I listen to, uh, I listen to the Justin long podcast, uh, mm-hmm. the movie journey podcast, our pals mm-hmm. from Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, but no podcast. I wouldn't listen to them for three hours. Right. I wouldn't listen to us for three hours. God, no, I would like people whose voices I love to hear. Like, yeah, I can't even think of people like, you know, Corey Taylor, who's just one of the most interesting dudes, the singer from Slipknot. We'll hear more from him as we get into NXT. Um, but, you know, <laughs> just just a fascinating dude. And he, he, I, I love listening to him talk for three hours. Fuck no. So yeah. you throw Corey Taylor in there with Joe Rogan. Uh, you mean no. Mark Calloway? Uh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. I was I was, I was, I was yeah. working my way. Oh, OK. OK. I understand even what you're Corey saying. Corey Taylor with Joe Rogan. I would. Yeah, you, say, you would not yeah. do that. No, because Joe Rogan has just this aura of assholery around him. He is more supplement than man at this point. He's a bro lord. Like he's he's douche lord. He's like, like there's like he, I I don't know what happened when he got involved in UFC. I remember Joe Rogan as uh, Fear Factor host slash uh, replacement. Was that when he was on? Was What's that show? That? Wasn't he on Just Shoot Me or one of those uh, news uh, radio? He, uh, he was on news radio. I, news I remember radio. him from that. I remember him as a host of Fear Factor. Yeah. And I remember him as a replacement host on The Man Show. Like that, mm. that's the extent of my, my Joe Rogan. And wow. then I, I don't know what happened. Maybe it was hanging out with people get punched in the head professionally 
on a regular basis, but dude went way off the reservation. Uh, yeah. And he, A, if you're telling me he's all natural, I, I beg to differ. Yeah, just like Vince McMahon is all natural these right. days. Sure. Right. Sure. But he... Sure. He has. Uh, we we make fun of Chris Jericho for having many the, things. Well, for many things, but on his <laughs> podcast, using his platform to talk to some of the most snake oiliest of humans. Yeah. yeah. Joe Rogan does this multiple times a week for two, three, four hours on a clip. Like he, <sighs> and and also he makes hundreds of millions of dollars via Spotify to do it now. So yeah. I hate I mean, him for many reasons. I mean, look, uh, game respect game cash out get paid i'm not i'm not gonna shit on the dude for getting that money but at the same time i think his show is terribly irresponsible and also now you're going to tell me that it's that combined with two and a half three hours how long it ran i don't know of the undertaker mumbling about the kids these days fuck that shit yeah, it was a lot of get off my lawn. Uh, you know, it, it at a certain point it almost sounded from the clips I read uh, of like uh, that one episode where Grandpa Simpson is trying to tell the story about having an onion on, on his belt, which was the style <laughs> at the time. Yes, like that's that's what it came off. With. A lot of Grand, Grandpa Simpson references <laughs> coming in this Mark Calloway talk here. Yeah, yeah, but um. You know, yelling at the cloud, get off my lawn, you know, like about the way things were in the locker room. Fuck off, man. Do you know how many people uh, of your era of this great time in the locker room are dead now because of parts of the things that you're Because of the way that, that you chose to live. Also, let's go back and watch, let's call it. 80 to 90 percent of wwe programming from that period of time it's unwatchable the shits absolute drizzling shits shits. like we can we can talk about how bad the writing is in wwe now sure but the the like the lowest of low tier talent in wwe as of 2021 i would say is better in ring than the average guy in 92, 93, 94, 95. Oh, in terms of athleticism and ability to, you know, to do these things in the ring. Yeah, absolutely. And the focus, you know, on the storytelling brother or whatever the fuck his, his thing was, you know, I don't even know what he said. He said something like the stories these days are soft. Okay. All right. I will give you, I will give you the bullshit that they're doing with the fiend with Randy Orton wearing a burn victim, Lucha mask and other bullshit. I will give you that. That's a weak sauce. But so many things are built around the idea of, I want to win a title. Need I remind you, Mr. Undertaker, sir, Mr. Calloway, sir, that there was an entire summer built around Leslie fucking Nielsen looking for you, and the whole resolution of that was there were suddenly two of you because you wanted your buddy to have a job? Like, fuck out of here with... Things used to be better. Things were just as shit, if not worse. <laughs> oh, do you remember the, uh, oh God, what Survivor Series was it when um, Todd Pettengill was up in the rafters interviewing Bill Clinton? Yeah. It was like some terrible fake president shit. There's, there's, look, there's been shit on WWE TV throughout the years. And yeah, yeah granted, there's been a lot of good stuff too. I, we will happily admit that. Um, and as we talk about our match of the year, things noticeably absent from any of my uh, listings were anything within the WWE umbrella because I've right. s- stood strong to my uh, devotion to stop yeah. watching the product. But, yes. you know, yeah, it sucks now, but it also sucked a lot back then. <laughs> right. Um, right. So we, 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 and, we can't put on the rose colored glasses. It, God damn it. You named your fans the, the children of the night for fuck's sake. Come on. That's some cornball shit. Uh, you oh, were sorry, undead, creatures of the night. Creatures you were some you were an undead zombie mortician, bro. I mean, come on. That's 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 pretty ridiculous. And granted, you stuck to it uh, for 30 years or so yeah. before, you know, you decided this was finally it and decided to shatter all illusions of kayfabe that you had kept strong for for 30 years now you're going about on these different podcasts and making pancakes for fucking photo shoots and talking about uh little jimmy or not little jimmy that's a different character uh little paulie's uh heart doctor on cameos and all these different things like if i didn't hate the undertaker before i fucking hate him now yeah just because he's just you know if i was an undertaker eric gorehound buddy i'm talking to you if I was a massive Undertaker fan uh, before, 
uh, it has changed drastically over the past uh, six months or so uh, with all this bullshit. Here, here's the key thing for me. As much as, and for good reason, we we criticize other legends of that relative era, your your Hogan's, your Flair's, they know who they were. Hogan. Oh, I, I don't like to give Hogan any uh, props, but you right you right. see Hogan in a public setting. That dude knows he's a 1980s cartoon character and he plays the role. Ric Flair knows he is a joke and he plays the role. This attempt to retroactively toughen up The Undertaker is some yeah. of the saddest shit I've ever seen. And yeah, remember that remember that year you were a, a biker, a badass <laughs> biker? You just right. forgot about the whole zombie uh, mortician thing, decided to be a biker, and then went back to being a zombie mortician thing? Remember that? Right. Huh? Remember that yeah. awful beard you had when uh, during the ministry? Remember that? <laughs> and meanwhile, the current crop of guys are shitty because th- instead of doing somas, they're playing fucking Call of Duty backstage. Right. Christ. Oh what no. The, what's the fucking problem, man? Yeah. Like they are trying. They've learned of the mistakes of your generation. These exactly. mistakes that you are uh, putting on a pedestal. And, you know, just fuck off about it. Let yeah. the let the kids play their video games. Bro dude used to cosplay a court with his friends to settle issues instead of talking about them <laughs> like adults. <laughs> Mr. Blue Lives Matter, uh, you know, uh, hanged a fucking cop in a hell of a cell. <laughs> That's true. Okay. That's true. You're he a did. hypocrite, Mark. <laughs> Jesus fuck Christ. Off. Anyway. <sighs> Enough en- en- enough teeing off on him. Um, I, 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 I go another twenty on it. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't feel like <laughs> wasting the energy. Um, what I do want to talk about, though, is uh, a subsection of the WWE, real quick. Hey, Corey Taylor. So NXT uh, is is definitely in the midst of of you know the building to the next takeover, but some interesting twists and turns have happened in the past week. Uh, okay. Namely, uh, we had the uh, second fight pit match between uh, Tim Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. It was actually really good, not as good as the the Riddle uh, Thatcher first time around. I think the novelty of it, you know, the the first time it happened definitely helped that match. But I, I thought it was very good. Really, the only bummer of it to me is how quickly they they switch things around. So the the end of the match, uh, Ciampa gets his leg caught in the cage. Okay. And then Thatcher takes the other leg and does a stretch muffler, which is one of my favorite uh, submission holds ever. That's the, the – yeah. Take SB. the guy's SB knee, pull over that. the neck. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it rules. Um, so I was totally about that finish. Well, the takeaway after the match was the commentators really underlining how they have this mutual respect now. So they just rush because uh, – uh, um, Oosh? Uh, no, they uh, – What's his name? Uh, uh, Ashanti the Adonis uh, was supposed to be part of the um, – Who? Uh, he was a 205 Live guy. He was oh, supposed to be okay. part of the, the Dusty Classic and he got okay. beat up and, and all this other stuff. They rushed uh, Ciampa and Thatcher as a team into the Dusty Classic. They just oh, threw him right in there that Ew. fast. And it's just like – it's it's such a quick turnaround though that that kind of bummed me out, uh, but we have some new signings already uh, in in NXT. Uh, I I didn't even realize any of the last class had debuted, but we've already got three more uh, because they needed more women for the women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Uh, Priscilla Kelly of oh, AEW yeah. and indie fame, Elena Black, who had done a few spots on AEW Dark, and Lacey mm-hmm. Ryan, who had done some jobber spots on Impact, uh, all signed. And they have brand new names because, of course, they do. Priscilla Kelly is now Gigi Dolan. Uh, Elena Black <laughs> is Cora Jade. And Lacey Ryan is Zoe Stark. Cora um, Jade. Do you think uh, Mia Yim's throwing her some, uh, some eyes back there? <laughs> Like, what the fuck do you think you're doing, bitch? Right, right, right. Uh, but uh, Jade and Dolan had their debut uh, against uh, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. Uh, in uh, Wait, so they just got signed and were already on TV? Yes, they were on 205, and uh, they dropped a <clears> match to um, 
to Candace and Indy. So what's what's the terrible name of the uh, uh, Gargano family faction? Uh, they are the oh shit! What are they called? I already forgot. Oh, the way they are the way. So they're a fastball song. Yes. No. Yes. Uh. So this has to be fucking dork ass Gargano watching Mando and being like, "This is the way." Oh, one thousand percent. One thousand percent. That dude's a big Disney mark. So yeah, that that's silly. What happened? It's a terrible name for a wrestling faction, though. It, it is. It really is. Um, the other thing that that is interesting is. Um, they are going to be doing a tag team match uh, at, with only Lorcan and Danny Birch going against the makeshift team of Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, basically, another former adversaries made into a tag team situation. Yes, the, is this, this is for the Dusty Cup. Maybe this brother? is not for the Dusty Cup. The, the, okay. Basically, because uh, the Lorcan and Birch uh, duo. Um, interfered in the main event of uh, NXT last week, uh, which made Undisputed Era drop their first round match. Um, so why is Finn Balor involved? Because Finn ran out to make the save. So it's a it's a whole to-do. Didn't they also run out at the end of their match, the uh, O'Reilly and Balor match, too, the second one? Yeah. Yep. It's it's a whole thing, but it's like you know, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. I I think the Balor and O'Reilly team will be very very good together, even if oh, the storyline you know along the way is kind of kind of fucked. That match on paper should be fucking great. It's just it shows how convoluted the storytelling is that that's the route they got there versus just like you know we want a tag title match or something. So Kyle O'Reilly is still in Undisputed Era. Yes, Kyle mm-hmm. O'Reilly is still in Undisputed Era. And he and Balor have had two matches against each other, which Finn right. has won. Uh, the first one was the one where they both got injured really right, badly. Right. And okay. that match ruled, uh, which we'll talk about more in just a moment. Okay. All right. Sure. Why not? I mean, we already did war games with these factions. What's 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 going to be the payoff then? Great question. Couldn't tell <laughs> I mean, you. What do you. How do you how do you escalate to from war games? Could not tell you, man. Great. It is cool. It is the the weirdest Fuck. thing in the world. But that mention of Balor and Kyle O'Reilly does actually allow us to jump into the next thing, which is uh, your boys uh, got to participate in something pretty cool, uh, which is every year. Oh, you're talking about us. Yes. <laughs> I'm yes. like, I don't have children. Who are you? Yeah. To whom are you referring? Yeah. Let as in you. you and I, your boys, dear listener. I um, you're talking to me. Yes. Uh we got to participate in the uh, Voices of Wrestling 2020 Match of the Year balloting. Uh, Voices of Wrestling is a pretty highly regarded pro wrestling uh, writing website and podcast. Uh, they do a match of the year ballot uh, every single year, and they uh, allow members of uh, pro wrestling media to uh, submit their ballots. Uh, I suggested to Chris that, hey, maybe we should put our names out there and and see if we can get ballots. And weirdly enough, we did. Uh, yeah. So we decided to throw out our ballots uh, and, and we decided decided, hey, it'd be a good idea to talk about what our matches of the year for last year were. Um, do you want to go through all 10? How how do you want to discuss them, dear Chris? I don't know. Um, I guess we'll, we'll, we, can, we can zip through. Um, yeah. You want to go first? Yeah, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I will say, uh, following up after, uh, you know, putting these lists together and then looking at some of the ones that they've been retweeting other people have done, I feel yeah. like I, I missed a match or two. Um, so I will very quickly say I do not have uh, Abushi versus Suzuki on here. Which uh, from the G1, which I, I very much regret, and I didn't put Moxley Suzuki, which I really loved from the beginning of the year. Oh God, that was Wrestle Kingdom, wasn't it? Uh, it was uh, New Beginning, or, so right oh, after it was New Beginnings. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, because he attacked Suzuki at the the showdown was at the end of Wrestle Kingdom. I totally forgot about that match. Yeah, yeah that one totally totally missed my radar. Uh, one that didn't make my clip. And I'll we'll get to your list in a second, but yeah. one that I had on my list. Uh, first initially, but then it got bumped off for the parking lot brawl was the, uh, Ibushi Tai Chi kicks only match. Yes. Just yes. cause it was so unique. It was so like, what the fuck are we watching? It was, it was like a family guy gag. It went too long. It, kept going. it was funny. It went too long that it wasn't funny or awesome. And then it got around to being awesome again. Right. Um, that's, that's, and I, I really did enjoy that. And I, I, I'm regretting not 
putting that on there now. I probably could have dropped one of my Shingo matches for it, but you know me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're you're a number one Shingo mark, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, My my deep, deep deep-seated appreciation for Shingo Takagi and my uh, deep-in-the-pants lust for Kota Ibushi (laughs) have them on here multiple times, so, you know. But go ahead. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll just very quickly go through my list, and then I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about my top five. So um, number 10, I put the Best of the Super Junior Finals, El Desperado versus Romo Takahashi from December 11th. That was such a great match. Uh, such a star-making moment for Desperado. Yeah. Um, number nine, the aforementioned NXT TakeOver, uh, October 4th, Finn balor Kyler Riley match. Okay. Uh, one of two matches on here that made me actually reactivate my WWE network briefly. <laughs> to watch right. it's a it's a very very good match um uh number eight i went shingo takagi versus show uh from dominion uh, that was which, dope which was really awesome number seven hiromu takahashi versus ryu lee from um the february 9th new beginning show mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. i forgot ryu lee even appeared in new japan this year yeah um, me too and i was you know like i said i was i was uh, I didn't look through other people's ballots that Voices of Wrestling had retweeted until after I put together mine, but I was <laughs> looking at things like Grapple and Cage Match Cage to match. try to remind me yeah. of some stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was number seven. Number six, uh, the Kenny Omega and Pac uh, Iron Man match from that AEW Dynamite in February. Yep. Uh, number five, this is where I'll dig in a little bit more. Uh, this is one that I think I'll want to show you at some point. Maybe we'll do a redo of it. It was yeah. a five-on-five elimination tag match between uh, – uh, the Toramon team of Dragon Kid, Genki Horiguchi, Masato Yoshino, Naruki Doi, and Susumu Yokozuka against the R.E.D. team of uh, Ita, Hayo, Hip Hop, Kakuda, Kaito, Ashida, and S.B. Kento. Uh, it's from the year-ending Dragon Gate show. Wait, somebody's named Hip Hop? Hip Hop Kakuda. Oh, okay. last. Oh, so Hip Hop's his first name. Yeah, and Kakuda is his last name. <laughs> okay, um, uh, basically awesome. all you really need to know is it's like the icons of Dragon Gate versus the <clears throat> upstart heels and it's just this crazy violent spot fest. Basically, okay. the, I know we watched, uh, for a redo, one of the, uh, Toramon, um, three-way six-man tags. Yeah. Uh, imagine that it's, but it's five on five and they also do a lot of stupid weapon shit. It's awesome. Okay. It's, All right. it's the crowd heat for being, you know, a half filled crowd is yeah. huge and the match itself is really great. And I've been trying to get into Dragon Gate this year. It's been one of my like quarantine wrestling things. I've been trying gotcha. to get back into it. And uh, I, I loved this match a lot. So I, I had to give it some love there. Um, number four, I had Ela Dragunov versus Walter. The other match I turned my WWE Network back on for yeah. um, that was <laughs> on a random NXT UK show. It is so goddamn good. Just two dudes beating the shit out of each other. It's one of the few instances where not having a live crowd vaguely enhanced the show. It gave it a weird Fight Club feel because yeah. all you're hearing is like the, the chops, chops and punches yeah. and, and everything echo. Uh, really, if you like, you know, violent matches, yeah. <laughs> it's it's up there. Uh, number three, uh, Young Bucks versus Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page at Revolution. Uh, you know, what's more to be said that hasn't already been said about that match? It really was phenomenal. And um, as as I said, because they asked us to put in a, a little, you know, description. If you didn't uh, swear out loud when the Bucks did the golden trigger, uh, yeah. you weren't paying close enough attention. Because uh, <laughs> that was such a wonderful dickish heel move. Uh, number two, I had Okada versus Ibushi from Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, mm-hmm. Just an absolutely awesome match, and when Abushi goes for full murder, Abushi in front of forty thousand people losing their mind, it's rock hard, stellar. And then my number one was Stadium Stampede with the Elite versus the Inner Circle. Uh, I felt like it was the most representative match of this year. You had to figure out a way to do pro wrestling in a non-traditional format and yeah. and a lot of companies kind of chase the dragon of the cinematic match. I feel like yeah. this is the best one. Uh, and basically every single one before or since kind of is in its wake. Uh, I, I yeah. don't know. Uh, cause it sounds like, and as we'll talk about in a few AEW, maybe doing another cinematic match soon. I don't know if it will live up to this. Um, but I, I thought this was, uh, just the perfect thing. I remember us watching it over zoom, 
uh, you, me, and the like lads, and just uh-huh. laughing our asses off and having a great time. And it was yeah. it was exactly what we needed, you know. Um, uh, yeah. So at the yeah. end of May, the world was ending. It was it was a perfect escape. Exactly. It was it was, it was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a solid list there, my friend. I've seen the majority of those uh, yeah. matches, uh, WWE and uh, Dragon Gate aside. Um, so my list, uh, my number ten, uh, mm-hmm. one that you left off uh, from your uh, from your list, uh, Chuck Taylor and Trent versus Santana Ortiz, the parking lot brawl. So good. Uh, back from so September, good. which was just uh, s- such fun, violent, and a great payoff. And Sue, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Sue giving the middle finger, which was which was fantastic. Uh, I had uh, Hiromu versus Billy O'Spray from Wrestle Kingdom last year, uh, beginning of last year, as my number nine on the list. Really, really enjoyed that match. We finally, you know, that was a it was a big match for both of them. Uh, yeah. My number eight was Stadium Stampede. Um, you know, for all the reasons you did, but I, you know, I, I guess. I, I like some. I like some other matches better. Yeah, uh, nothing wrong with I that. I had, and I'm probably the only one who put this on their list. Uh, but this was from Jingu Stadium at the end of August in uh, in New Japan. It was Suzuki and Takagi for the Never Openweight Title. Um, that match was dope. It was. I it, I remember like watching it and be like, "Oh shit, this is this was awesome." And then you know, right afterwards, uh, Ishimori and Hiromu had a great match too. But this match, you know, it was. You know, Murder Grandpa versus, you know, my A number one Shingo and they yeah. beat the shit out of each other. And, you know, it proved that, you know, Minoru Suzuki is the toughest motherfucker to, in the game. Yes. Because uh, he beat him and won the title. It was it was it was a great match. It stood out to me. Uh, number six on the list, uh, just for its uh, brevity and knowing that less is more and it being such a true brutal squash was Cody versus Brody Lee from the Saturday Night Dynamite. I've seen uh, that pop up in a few lists, and you know, I I personally think of it more as an angle than a match. But yeah, goddamn, well, did it roll? It did. And honestly, I'm grouping the post match beatdown in with it because, yeah. like you said, yeah, it, it is more more of an angle than a match. But just everything, you know, the the build to it was great, and the match itself, you know, Cody didn't get a lick of offense in, and just the the storytelling, which everybody, you know, always says is the key to pro wrestling. That was it, man. That was it was a hundred percent there. Yeah. Uh, my number five, we have uh, Shingo versus Willie Spray from um, G1. Uh, because in, probably not as good as their best of the super juniors match uh, mm-hmm. final from mm-hmm. the year prior, but the, their their styles are just perfect mirrors of each other, and they totally. work so well together that you know it'll be, it'll be really tough for them to have a hard match together or a bad match together. Uh, then Shingo versus Okada also from uh, G one uh, because you know I feel like. Shingo got to headline the show against Okada and really, you know, show what he was made out of. And yeah, he tapped out to the money clip. Or I'm sorry, he passed out to the money clip. He didn't tap. But um, but just, you know, going toe-to-toe with with Okada, and I, I loved everything about that match. Uh, number three on my list was Ibushi versus Suzuki from the same damn show. It was weird that they both popped up on my list uh, right yeah. next to each other. But uh, uh, I, it, I remember us during <clears throat> G1 talking about that show as yeah. absolutely blow away. And uh, the was. fact that both of those show up in your list really underlines it. Yeah. Uh, number two was the same as your number two, Okada versus Ibushi from uh, Wrestle Kingdom. And my number one was uh, the Bucks versus Page and Omega from Revolution. It, you know, to, to just to feed into the hyperbole, it may be the best tag match I've ever seen. It was just everything that I, I, I love personally for my taste yeah. in yeah. tag team wrestling was every box was checked off there. It was it was fantastic. Again, it's, it's really hard to argue against it. I have no doubt that's going to be once everything is tabulated easy one of the top five if not one of the top three uh if not a number one um just really a stellar job and um you know revolution this year has a lot of heavy lifting to do to to live up to last year's revolution because you know there was that there was the the Pac uh oc match which Mm -hmm. was so goddamn great and uh the hilarity of cody rhodes's neck tattoo so you know we'll we'll have to see (laughs) how revolution plays out um We'll talk a little bit about Revolution, uh, but before that, a very, very brief New Japan update. Can't move my neck. <laughs> 
We are still on the road to the New Beginning shows where we'll have a lot of title shots, but a title change did occur this week uh, as uh, yesterday, Saturday, uh, we had new junior tag team champions crowned as the team of ELP and Taji Ishimori uh, defeated Desperado and Kanemaru. So we have uh, new junior champions. The match, though... Kind of a mess. Tons of ref bumps, tons of weapons, tons of goofiness. So I'm not going to tell you to go out of your way to watch it. Just a heads up, the belts did move around. Also, uh, of note, uh, New Japan going to have Sakura Genesis on April 4th. Uh, That will be another big show coming up right after the New Japan Cup. And speaking of the New Japan Cup, not that we should necessarily read in anything, but remember how uh, with Jay White possibly being on the outs, a lot of people are pointing to the fact that, oh, he's in the advertising for uh, the New Japan Cup. Yes. Well, the posters got re-released without Jay White in them. Ah, fuck. (laughs) We will see where he lands. Has he shown up since New Year's Dash, or is he? uh, He has not been. That was the last time we've seen him. He's been mentioned Hmm. a few times in promos, uh, mostly by Chaos members, Um, but we have not seen him. So, uh, if if I remember correctly, he's under contract through January. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens in February with uh, one one uh, Jayzif Q White. Oh, man. God, I hope he doesn't go to WWE. I like, I, you know, for his uh, bank account, I hope he goes to WWE. Yeah. But for his uh, personality and his creative ability, I don't want to see him wasted away there. Because uh, th- then it'll immediately be the countdown to when he's, his contract's up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> much, exactly. That's what happens when you go to the, everybody's talking about Ricochet when his contract's up. Yeah. Um, you know, there's. Provided been COVID doesn't get him first. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, you know, I'll, keep I'll, having I'll, those parties out in public, Richard O'Shea. Have a great uh, time, bud. God. All right. Fucking we're 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 zooming. By the way, we're zooming through this episode, which let's, isn't let's necessarily zoom. a bad thing. But well, actually, you know what? Before we let's go ahead and. Let's go ahead and switch things up a bit, because, yeah, we have AEW to talk about, but yeah. related to that, we have... <laughs> so, guess who showed up on Impact this week? Kenny Omega. Uh, well, yeah, he was on there. But okay. right. beyond that, <laughs> uh, Private Party and Big Money Matt showed up. Private Hardy. Yeah, uh, as did uh, Tony Khan and Jerry Lynn, um, actually in the impact zone. Uh, as What's opposed Tony Khan doing in the – are they still yeah. calling it the impact zone? They are, yes, even though uh, it's not It's not universal. I know, uh, but it's, it's it's become such a such a meme. Why – I mean, I guess they're leaning into it? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I, I guess Maybe. so. Um, but uh, okay. yeah, Private Party shows up and they wanted a shot at the Good Brothers and a shot at the tag belts. So uh, a match was very quickly made to determine the number one contenders. It was Private Party with Matt Hardy. Uh, going against the makeshift team of Chris Sabin, and with Alex Shelley unable to be there, the returning James Storm, of all people, who Where? last last I heard was going to be signed by WWE, but COVID kiboshed that. That's what he was telling the Sheets. Well, sure he um, was. Didn't he, like, get an offer from them and then turn it down at one point? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then went yeah. back to Impact for another year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then... He did a random appearance on an NXT episode and then yeah. never showed up okay. again. Anyway, uh... Private Party are the number one contenders to the Impact Tag Titles, and based off of Dynamite this week, they've gone completely heel. Oh, yeah, they have. Uh, Okay, interesting. I mean, you know, Matt Hardy has been doing this weird, uh, you know, uh, basically Mark Calloway gimmick. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. Of, of of I invented it and and yeah. uh, you know everything that you're doing is wrong and everything I'm doing is right so right. um interesting angle there uh but um yeah uh private party I mean private party showing up in impacts a good thing um yeah you know I'm curious to see how this relationship continues. Um, mm-hmm. is, is the tag match happening on uh, Impact or at a pay-per-view? Or uh, what's it, the... it is going to be an Impact Plus live event called No Wait, Surrender. Impact Plus? That's a thing? That's their, that's their version of the network. 
I didn't even know that existed. Yes, so it's Impact Plus. Um, and... That's like the laziest thing ever. Everybody's doing a plus. Come on, you twats. Think of something. <laughs> that's just lazy. Like, we're going to do an online thing? Okay, yeah, we're yeah. going to call it the Impact Network? No, that's biting off of WWE. Let's call it Impact Plus. You fucking doofuses. <laughs> you lazy-ass <laughs> anthem motherfuckers. To be fair, I think it was launched before Disney Plus was live. So... How dare you? <laughs> um, but but ne- but nevertheless, uh, that that will be no surrender, and that show is taking place. Hang on, I'm I'm bringing up the date. Uh, February 13th, it'll be the Good Brothers versus Private Party. Uh, th- their next pay per view is in April. That is Rebellion, um, and it seems in theory that that's where we're going to get Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan. But on the road there, uh, it looks like Moose wants a title shot. So. I wouldn't be shocked based off of the way that six-man match went, and I did track it down. I, I sailed the seas to give it a watch. Uh, I would not be surprised if we get Moose versus Kenny Omega at uh, me either. At, at Rebellion. I uh, feel like that's a mm, uh, – it's probably a more marquee match, honestly. Yeah. No offense to Rich no Swan. Offense Baltimore to Rich zone. Swan. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I respect. He, he's a heck of a talent, but that match – Made you want to see Kenny Omega versus yeah. Moose more yeah. than Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan. What did you think of the match? I thought, I thought it was decent. It, it, like, um, it, for me, it would be like, and this sounds damn in the faint praise. It would. It feels like it would be a good Dynamite main event, but I don't know if it felt like a great pay per view main event. Fair, I'll give you that. I I thought Moose was very impressive for a guy who I've given zero shits about yeah. i thought he was very impressive in there uh i was still a little hurt that alex shelley was not in there um <laughs> and again carl anderson rules and i don't know what the fuck to do with luke gallows uh, he he just looks physically uncomfortable to me i think it's the combination of the deep tan and the clearly just for men beard um yeah. it, it it like it's hard to look at. <laughs> he's also an awkward body type too. Like yeah. he's he's like a lot of the taller guys, you know, aren't as uh, girthy. And <laughs> he's a, he's a bigger dude all around. Yeah, um, yeah. Not like you know, like uh, like a tall muscular guy like Moose. I mean, he was kind of standing toe to toe with Moose. Uh, yeah. You know, and Moose is a physical specimen. He's in very good shape. Uh, Gallows mm-hmm, mm-hmm. less. <laughs> yeah, not not quite so much, um, but yeah, I, I all in all, I I thought it was a, a a decent match. Just you know, it could have been better. I know it could have it could have been better. <laughs> now, now to jump uh, lateral uh, into something that was announced on AEW this week, they're doing yeah. an eliminator tournament for the number one contender yes. uh, ship for the uh, AEW women's title. Yes. Uh, so that leads me to believe that perhaps maybe. We might get a, a lady or two from Impact showing up in that. Yes, that would be the the best case scenario. Uh, please, for the love of God, Diana Perrazzo needs to be on Dynamite. Um, yeah, she is such a talent, and she is wasting away there. Now that said, uh, something I wanted to ask you, Impact wise, who would have thought we would have so much Impact related to talk about? Yeah, right. Uh, your girl Taya got written off this week. Yeah, that was kind of a, a shock. She lost the title match at last weekend's uh, Hard to Kill pay per view, and then yeah. I, I think was she accused of murder? Is that the was that yeah the angle? yeah? There was someone who got uh, murdered at, in Impact, and she was yeah. accused of it, and uh, she's been sentenced. And the gag was, you know, she may serve her sentence in Stamford, or in Baltimore, or in Jacksonville. <laughs> okay, so that's how they wrote her out. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, in, in ways of doing that, that's yeah, slightly yeah, yeah. clever. Yeah, I, 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 I thought that was kind of funny. But uh, where do you think she's going, Chris, as the tie well, mark of, of the duo here? Well, her husband is in Stanford. Yes. So that would lead me. That's probably the A number one uh, most likely scenario there. Uh, Ring of Honor? Uh, are they even doing Women of Honor stuff currently? I They're mean, supposed to be bringing back the belt. Like, that was one of the things they were doing in that ill-fated Vegas weekend. Okay. Everything shut down. Um, yeah, yeah, You know, there was a past versus present show, but they're supposed to be the crowning of the new pure champion and the crowning of the new Women of Honor champion. Okay. So, in theory, she could go there, but I can't imagine, considering, you know, 
they can't run shows with people right now and, and, and what have you, I can't imagine that they want to put out the money for uh, Taya. No offense to Taya. Just I'm, I'm thinking they probably don't have any women on a proper contract. I, sure. I, maybe Maria Maniac, but even then that's a maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't even know who else they could have. That's a woman under like a proper deal right now. Um, and, and scoop up ODB. <laughs> hey, she's got a food truck to run. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I think she would do great in dynamite. Um, I, I think she'd be very good there. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked though, to see her picked up by EW that said, and you know, as a 36 year old man, know that I'm not saying this out of a place of judgment. Just, I don't, I couldn't see WWE going, we're going to sign a 37 year old woman. Yeah, unless it was, you know, a player coach. Well, that and something for, you know, uh to appease uh Johnny Mundo. Fair. John uh John what is it Morrison now? Yes, yes back he's to Morrison. John, John Morrison. So many damn names I get confused. No, that's um, fair. But yeah, you know, the one thing that I will say uh is a positive within the WWE umbrella is the women's division and again, not a not a slight on on Taya, but you know, yeah, she doesn't really fit in there too, too much. Yeah. Um, it, maybe it'll be as a manager type thing. Is, is Morrison still with Miz? Are they doing a tag? Sitch? Yeah, yeah there's they're still a thing. There's okay. still a duo. In fact, this week they brought out Gilberg as they were making fun of Bill. Oh, Goldberg. they're the ones who brought him out? Okay. Yeah. And, yep. and David Crumholtz. David Crumholtz is uh, as really Drew McIntyre. Yeah. 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 Wow. Very I thought weird. he was wearing a fat suit at first. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. That's that's all Crumholtz, baby. Bernard, what happened, bud? <laughs> <laughs> so real quick before we wrap up, let's talk about Dynamite this week. What did I, you think of the show? It was okay. Yeah, yeah. It was it, like on paper. We were talking about this last week. On paper, it wasn't the most thrilling or exciting lineup. Um, I think they kind of thought they would get crushed by uh, inauguration coverage. The part yeah. that's weird though is. The ratings were shockingly good. Yeah. Well, I think everybody was just riding high from the inauguration <laughs> earlier in the day. Like, yeah. okay, I can breathe a sigh of relief and watch uh, watch some uh, beefy men slapping beefs in the middle of the ring. Yeah. Um, I will say I did enjoy the main event as, uh, you know, weird and the main event short was, on time was as it was. Shockingly great. Yeah. Uh, the that main event, the- for those who did not see it, was the Inner Circle three-way to determine the tag team that was going to lead the Inner Circle. Um, it, it was MJF and Chris Jericho against the team of Sammy Hager, who got an inset promo from Sammy Hagar. I'm so not going to lie. As I, probably the biggest Sammy Hagar mark you know, I popped. Oh, I popped too. Uh, even though it looked like they definitely paid for a cameo. Um, yeah, he's Chris knows him. I'm sure. I'm sure it was definitely filmed on an iPhone. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a vertical, I, vertical phone video. I'm uh, pretty sure it was Chris just saying, "Hey, but, Sammy, we name dropped uh, you." Third team, of course, problem powerful. The the outcome was pretty much decided for me when MJF and Jericho came out to their mashup theme. Yeah, right. Which is actually a, a shockingly good, like, considering how many times over the years in WWE they tried to mash up Jericho's theme with people and how sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't at yeah. all. That that was awesome. Uh, I actually kind of I kind of dig it. Um, it'll grow on me. I didn't I didn't love it, the, but the, it'll it'll grow. The real thing about that match though was it made Sammy Guevara one of the biggest baby faces in the company. Yeah, he was so on. I mean, all three guys, or sorry, all three teams rather, uh, were on in that match. Uh, they they just went out there. They all worked hard. They busted yep. their ass. Basically, uh, again, it was very short on time. You know, we we barely got a post match. Um, yeah. We did, did we, it was like we went off the air ten seconds after the three was counted. Exactly. So, yeah, it was exactly. So it felt like they just kind of cut out the feeling out segment and just went straight to throwing bombs and it rolled. Uh, I, I was very, very surprised by that on the opposite side of it though. The opening match was fun, but I don't know that it needed to be on TV. That was the top flight private party. No, no, no. That was uh, the Dark Order and Hangman Page against Hybrid 2 and Chaos Project. Oh, that. Oh yeah. God, I even forgot about that. Uh, Yeah. I, I get that uh, they're giving mm. Brody Lee Jr., you know, some things to not think about his dad dying. 
It felt like a house show thing. Yeah, and it, it was did. fun. But I was sitting there, kind of like, and 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 again, you know, I, I, heart goes out to that family. Heart goes out to that kid. I just kind of like, does this need to be on TV? Does this? No, the answer is no. But I think it speaks to this is something we've texted about a lot this week. The character. Yeah. Of Tony Khan, not the on-screen character, the actual personal yeah, yeah, <laughs> character yeah. uh, of what kind of person Tony Khan is. Um, right. And by all accounts, it seems like a top-notch human being, um, yeah. which is odd for a wrestling promoter. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a story that, that came out this week that was posted over on Reddit. Uh, a mother posted that um, – and, and this was not something that was you know talked about on air or anything like that. Basically yeah. – she and her kids went to Dynamite on Wednesday in, in Jacksonville, and their son is autistic and had dealt with a situation where he's bullied in school and that sort of thing. Stabbed. Stabbed, yeah, which is yeah. I was like, horrific. Christ. Um, I don't know how one thing led to another, but AEW staff found out about it and found out they were going to be there. When they arrived, they discovered that their seats had been moved from the rafters to closer to the ring or, uh, you know, it's my cat meowing, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies about that, dear listeners. And Cris, who was very confused, wondering what's like, happening with his well, cat. There's a closet left open. I have to close real quick. Yeah, go ahead <laughs> okay. and fill. Uh, but uh, it, it, uh, what, what had occurred was AEW staff had found out about uh, this family attending. They had upgraded their seats to as close as they could be within reason uh, but more than that, Cody took the time pre-show to visit the family, say hi, give the kid a signed uh, weightlifting belt. Oh, and that also, was, I thought it was a turnbuckle. Well, there there were two things. There was a signed oh, weightlifting okay. belt from Cody, and also he was given a signed turnbuckle that was signed by the entire Dark Order, yeah. including Minus One. Yeah. Um, and all I could think is like, that's something they did, you know, with, without TV coverage. And look, I know WWE does stuff for Make-A-Wish and, and, and all of that. Yeah, but they also film that and, put, and post right. it to make themselves look good on PR reels. Right. And and it's just one of those things where you go like, you know what? Yeah, they're owned by a billionaire and, and, and all of that. But maybe there's there's actually a kind heart in there somewhere. Um, yeah. and, and you were saying you listened to Tony Khan on – Renee uh, Paquette's podcast oral sessions this week, and, and you got kind of a similar vibe. Yeah, just the, just the way you know uh, he talked about because Renee asked, which I think is a really good question. What's it like growing up the son of a billionaire? Yeah, <laughs> which is not something most people uh, have experience in. And you know he 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 told the story of how he you know through the first many years of his life, not until he was like, you know, maybe 10 or so, he didn't know that his parents had money. So they, they, they kept him, you know, at a, at a level like, you know, only if he got good grades, could he order a pay-per-view or yeah. he had to get it on tape at the video store afterwards. Right. Right. You know, he wasn't like, it wasn't silver spoon sort of, you know, all these, everything at his disposal. He was right. basically raised as, as, as a normal kid, which I think probably has something to do with, with everything, um, of how his character is these days. Um, but just there were a couple stories about you know the the Brody stuff and the minus one stuff or negative one however they're calling them, um, and you know it, it just he seems like such a earnest like just a good guy man like yeah you know he, he it, it it doesn't sound like he's out ah oh, god and I know the comparisons to Vince McMahon are are tired or whatever but what else are you going to compare him to yeah um, you know. He doesn't seem like the kind of person who is, you know, out to do this because he wants to, you know, make a billion dollars and, and you know, do this sort of thing. He loves pro wrestling. Yeah. Uh, he loves doing the Jaguar stuff. He loves doing the Fulham stuff. Like, he loves what he's doing um, and, you know, is just – not he just just seems like not a shitty person. I don't know how else yeah, to say. It, yeah, it, it, it seems like his intent in being involved in the ventures that he's in is not necessarily one of 
a money-making one, though I'm sure right. you know, that's the end goal, sure. you know, if you're going to be in business for the business to persist. But it comes from a genuine place. It, com- yeah. it, it doesn't come from a cynical place of, you know, I'm going to buy the sports team because it's valuable. It's like I'm, I'm going to get involved in the sports team or, you know, my dad's going to buy a sports team right. because we love the sport, because we love yeah. the the thing. You know, he's – for better or worse, he's one of us with a billion dollars to run a wrestling company, and he's just trying to do his best to make it persist. Um, right. And so. he told the story of how when his dad b- bought the Jags, he, yeah. you know, his dad, you know, made his money, I think, making auto parts for Ford or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, his goal, his dad's goal was to buy an NFL franchise because he saw that as like, you know, the, his version of the American dream of of coming over and working your way up, being the self-made billionaire. And then, you know, the pinnacle of sports worldwide, you know, it's hard to argue is the NFL. So, you know, that was his level of, of attaining the level of success and the Fulham came afterward. And I think, and then, you know, he, he talked about how he really had to convince his dad to do, uh, AEW. And now he talks about how, you know, um, the praise from his father uh, is has been sporadic throughout his life because he says you really have to earn it. Uh, but he said that when he gets the praise for a really good dynamite or a great pay per view, it, it makes it all that much better. Yeah, because you know his father doesn't throw out good jobs unless he really means it. Right, right. And you know that 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 that's certainly a, a positive thing to hear. Now. To talk a little bit more about Dynamite, again, this was kind of more of a building show. Some other things that happened this week, uh, more intrigue between the Bucks and Kenny Omega uh, as uh, it looks like uh, Don Callis is basically the worm tongue of Kenny Omega getting into his (laughs) ear. And of course, who can forget that goddamn painting, which you can now buy as a poster on ProWrestlingTees.com. You can buy it as a a t-shirt and a a poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, so more to come there, clearly. Cody Rhodes had a one-on-one match with pretty Peter Avalon, which I'm just going to go ahead and say, I think they gave Avalon way too much in that match. Yeah, well, they tried to work in the distraction by Jane Cargill, which was not timed correctly. Uh, she no, wasn't like, was weird. She, she was too deep in the tunnel when the music hit to confuse Cody. And then there was a, a low blow, which softened him up a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, that, that, I mean, it should have got off the pot with this Shaq thing because well, we're the... supposed we're supposed to hear more about it next week. <clears throat> okay, I mean, sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's not doing it for me at the moment. Yeah, no, I'm with but, you. I'm with you. you also, know. Cody's looking really big lately, and I don't just mean like Jack. Like physically, he looks uncomfortably large. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe some uh, pregnancy sympathy weight happening over I, there. I don't know because yeah. uh, like he's muscular, but he looks like. Do you remember like the early 2000s where Triple H looked like bloated muscular? Yes. Yeah, there were a few moments where I'm like, he's looking big, big, and not like, not like what I'm used to from Cody Big. The wrong kind of supplements, perhaps. Yeah, I, I don't know. We had Matt Hardy in Private Party against Matt Sydal in Top Flight in a six man tag. This was kind of ugly at points. Timing um, was off in a lot of different parts. I think part of the issue with these two young tag teams is they, they're so. Uh, excited to yes. go and do their next spot that they either forget uh, something that's supposed to happen in the line, like a tag or, a ta- you know, something like that. Or yeah. they're, they're so quick that they get to the next position before everybody else is in the position. And, you know, there's the something that everybody always says that the old guys teach them is to, you know, take your time and take the moment in and, right. you know, don't always rush. And with the, the younger kids, especially these flippy do flippy kids, um, is that they can do all these crazy things. So they want to move on to the next thing. Yes. Um, I will say that I think Top Flight has impressed me more than Private Party over the past uh, for couple, ha- uh, For how much we've seen of them versus Private Party, they're showing a lot more promise. And, yeah. And that's no slight to Private Party because they're quite good. They it's are. just, you know, four-star versus five-star, if you will. And I also get really distracted by Mark Quinn's boobies. Because <laughs> they are just... He's got little cherry tomatoes on his chest. They are just distracting as all hell. <laughs> And not in the Kota Ibushi way. Like, no, why no, are they it's, there? It's, it's, it's very, they, very weird. It's like you do something um, like lat bars or something like that. I don't know how you work out the titty yeah. meat. But. Uh, also, we had a uh, continuation of the uh, Good Brothers, Omega, John Moxley, Lucha Brothers uh, feud. 
as the Good Brothers beat up Penta backstage. Chris, I'm going to ask you something. Was that actually Penta or was that someone wearing Penta's gear? Because that didn't actually look like Penta to me. I don't know the answer to that. I was kind of, uh, I guess I wasn't paying that much attention. That would be interesting if it wasn't. Something looked off. I don't know what it was, but I was just like, is that actually Penta or is that somebody in his gear? I think what happened was the person you saw on TV had uh, un poquito miedo as opposed to cero miedo. <laughs> ah, that, so that, I, that would be why. I think, I think that, was, that, that, was, that was the difference. So next week on Dynamite, we've got Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston, which should be Hell awesome. Yes. Dax Harwood versus Jungle Boy, which yes. I, I think should be very good. Uh, the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers in an eight-man tag against the Dark Order. Stu Grayson, Evil Uno, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds. So it's like the Dark Order A-team. Mm-hmm. Um, Cody responding to Shaq and some additional things which have been added subsequently. Uh, we've got uh, Hangman Page versus oh. Ryan Nemeth, Dolph's brother, making his Dynamite debut. Well, I wouldn't say that because I in the crowd last week oh, was when they there? were doing a crowd reaction, I saw I, I, they they jumped to somebody in the crowd. And I'm like, whoa, was that fucking Dolph Ziggler? Oh, okay. and now in retro in retrospect, it's like that was his brother because they do look pretty damn similar. Um, so so yeah, that makes uh, a bit of sense. But we didn't talk about the the big angle um, at the end of the opening match is that Hangman turned down oh, the yes. offer to join the Dark Order, which. I guess the more you think about it makes sense, but it's just kind of heartbreaking. I feel so bad for, for especially John Silver. Uh, the, the thing I really enjoyed, though, was uh, a little bit of continuity there. On BTE, uh, John Silver said, when he says yes, what we're going to do is have all of these cowboy strippers come out and dance. <laughs> and when he said no, the graphic played on screen that said he said yes yeah. And then these bunch of half-naked cowboys started coming out that Evil yeah. Uno had to rush back backstage. So 10 <laughs> yeah. out of 10 there. Excellent yeah. work by everyone. Um, I, I, I do think the, the long-term story is uh, Hangman has to learn how to love again. Uh, and, and I think it will probably involve him getting thrust into an AEW world title shot against Kenny Omega. Because I, I, I think the money on Omega dropping the belt is to Hangman Page. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I can't argue. I don't think anybody, you know, I wouldn't see it go back to Mox so soon. Um, yeah. so, I could yeah. see them running that as a rematch at sure, Revolution, sure. maybe in a cage match or, or something like that. Some yeah. sort of stip, you know, to keep out everybody. They've already done the stip match between the two, though. Well, they they did, you know, the no DQ one. But that match technically didn't happen, Chris. Yeah, I know. Well, we were there and it was a fucking bore. Uh, <laughs> A violent bore, uh, uh, but yeah. but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I could I could see that happening again. But yeah, in terms of anybody else being there storyline wise yeah. to 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 beat Omega eventually, yeah, it doesn't make, doesn't make any sense. And it, it will, probably won't happen soon. It'll be you know a while, yeah. uh, maybe all out or at the earliest all out, but yeah. probably longer than that. Yeah, uh, agreed. Um, we are also going to have Chris Jericho and MJF against the Varsity Blondes of Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. That should actually be pretty good. Yep. Um, we're going to have Britt Baker versus Shauna because Shauna's back in the Shana's States. Shauna's back. She's yeah. still, uh, saying crazy shit online. Of course she is. Cool. Uh, we're going to have, uh, John Moxley talk about the Beach Break main event, which I'll mention in just a moment. And, uh, Sting and Dobby are going to talk about their street fight. Uh, which will be happening at Revolution. It's going to be Sting and Darby Allen against Brian Cage and Ricky Starks in what undoubtedly will be a cinematic match because you don't want a 62-year-old man with spinal stenosis trying to do it live. Yeah, no, definitely don't want that. And as I uh, as I said over text this week, there there are no turnbuckles in a street fight. <laughs> Very so that's that's God good damn. for Sting. <laughs> so funny. So Beach Break is the, the the next big thing they're building too. That's happening in two weeks on February third. We're gonna have a tag team battle royal uh, with the winner getting a match at Revolution. I'm calling my shot. SCU to win that and then lose against the Bucks at Revolution. Okay, that'll be uh, that'll be fun. I don't know. God, I'm trying to think of. Who else would make sense? I mean, it could be one of, oh, no, Young Bucks are kind of heel. Are they kind of, I don't even know. Yeah, like, I mean, it could be the Good Brothers that end up winning, and we get, you know, tag title versus tag title. I don't know. Um, it could be I was going to say, they, they've been really high on the acclaimed. I haven't been, but yeah. 
they have been, uh, but they've also been involved with the SCU thing. I don't, yeah. I don't know. The, uh, uh, I don't know. We're gonna have uh, Doctor Britt oh. Baker versus Thunder Rosa finally, which hell be yeah, a very very good match. Uh, we're gonna have the Kip Sabian Penelope Ford wedding with Miro as the best man, and undoubtedly shenaniganry involving his butler Charles Taylor. And then the main event, which should be unbelievable, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers against John Moxley, Ray Phoenix, and Pac. Yeah, that's a fucking trio right there, my friends. Yes. Uh, But yeah, that'll be in two weeks. Uh, Should be a very awesome show. Um, Hoping for the best there and uh, hoping, if anything else, that we don't wake up on Monday morning and discover that Chris Jericho recorded a three-hour podcast with Joe Rogan. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, 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 The Roughhouse Podcast is a weekly podcast fueled by coffee, pizza rolls, and the stench of dirty litter boxes. Follow Christoph and Marty on Twitter at RoughhouseSGW, at Facebook.com slash The Roughhouse Podcast, and at Patreon.com slash The Roughhouse Podcast for early access to episodes, exclusive podcasts, Roughhouse Redos, and Roughhouse Divided movie trivia games. New episodes drop every single Monday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe, motherfuckers! This is the, the Rough, House, Rough Pod. House, uh podcast with Justin and Kristoff. That's it. Fuck Kristoff. He's terrible with his information. Okay. Hey, this is The Rock. Shut your mouth, jabronis, and listen up, because this is the Rough House podcast with Marty and my least favorite man on the planet, Kristoff. The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network. I'm Jeremy Barash. I can't spell Barash without rash, bro. This is Jeremy Bro-Rash. Do you have an itchy dick? Or try Jeremy Barash's Bro-Rash cream. Made from Dixie spit. She spits in each tube and then you rub it on your Bro-Rashed junk. Hi, I'm Justin Schlegel. Every time I see Madison Rain on screen, I take my wang out, throttle it. Sometimes to the point where it looks like it's got a chemical burn. Thank God for Jeremy Barash's Bro-Rash cream. For an itchy dick. You're welcome, Justin. Jeremy Barash has bro rash cream, bro. It'll help the rash on your dick. Can also be used on labias, butt cheeks, assholes, taints, and grunts.